I am really going to praise the Lord. And I'll tell you why. I went, my microphone wasn't even on. I went to turn my microphone on, standing on the front row, and it was in the on position. No, you don't get it. You don't understand it. Meaning, I thought I sang live with the praise team across the world wide web for the last 30 minutes. Only to find out my mic's not even on. Praise the Lord for his goodness, amen? <laughs> praise the Lord despite ourselves. And we praise God for you and we're glad you're here. And uh, if you're here and maybe you're a guest, uh, you're in a church that realizes we're not even close to anything special, but we serve the one who is, amen? And we are grateful. Uh, I want you to hang on uh, getting some information about uh, Eastern Kentucky and flood relief and all of that. Uh, I'll do, I'm going to address that at the end of the service, have some special announcements to make about that. But uh, God has done a miraculous thing here in Camden through the faithful partnership of people and businesses and churches, and it's really been something to be part of. So we're grateful for that, and I thank God for the opportunity. Amen? If you have your Bible this morning, I want you to hold it up. Let me see it. Okay, I see some of your phones and iPads. Uh, if you need a copy, there's a red one in front of you. And I want us to take the Word of God this morning, and I want us to turn to Luke chapter 23. Luke 23, and as I've already announced and as you see this morning, we're going to incorporate communion or the Lord's Supper, the Lord's Table, in this service. If you're here and you didn't pick up a cup and you want to be part of that, we'll give you an opportunity to get one before we actually partake of it, okay? So don't worry about that and don't let that be a hindrance this morning. The title of the message is Playing Games at the Foot of the Cross. And I don't know about you, but I confess and repent that there have been times in my Christian life where it could be said that I've played games at the foot of the cross. What do you mean, Brother Greg? I haven't taken it as serious as I should. Uh, I, I've, I've sinned without counting the consequence. I've, I've forgotten the price that was paid for me on Calvary's hill. And this morning, as we look at the bread and the juice, the body and the blood, of Jesus, the picture of it. I want us to be reminded of just what Scripture calls us back to. In Luke's account, uh, Luke being the doctor, a doctor is detailed. Amen? For instance, uh, when you go in, a doctor just doesn't say, how are you? They check everything about you. They wanna, they're interested in the medications you're still on or not on, and, and they're asking all these questions that they always ask but they want to keep an accurate record. So when you look at Luke writing the gospel, you see some details. And when we look at this account, I want us to pick up this morning in verse 26, chapter 23. And the Bible says, as they led him away, they laid hold of a certain man, Simon, a Cyrenian who was coming from the country, and on him they laid the cross that he might bear it after Jesus. 
Now, we're introduced in this first verse to a man we really don't know. Two other gospels mention him. Simon the Cyrenian. Cyrene, to my best knowledge, is in northern Africa. So it gives you a bit of the ethnicity of the one who is called to step in and help Jesus. Now listen to me. My question this morning is, do we, does Jesus really need help going to the cross? My question for us this morning is, is Jesus really need help on the way I wish Tim were like the Holy Spirit and would just stand behind me and say, do this, and I'm not going to let you say that, uh, mute. <laughs> Thank you, brother. All right. Okay, for those that are watching, this has been a little weird for them. So we just, uh, we're back with you, okay? Let's start again. Now they laid, they led him away. They laid hold of a certain man, Simon a Cyrenian, who was coming from the country, and on him they laid the cross that he might bear it after Jesus. So God uses somebody we don't know, pulls them out of the crowd. Now I want to ask you a question before we begin. Would you be willing, if God chose to pull you out of the crowd, to use for his glory? And I ask you the question, does the King of Kings, God incarnate, Jesus, did he need help carrying the cross? Let me tell you something. This is a picture of the humanity of God, the humanity of Jesus, because he's beaten to the point where he literally is stumbling and needs help beneath the cross. So what does he do? God pulls someone out of the crowd. And I imagine if he were like me or if he were like you, I would have stepped away from my family, Renee and the kids, like, should I? Or perhaps, you want me? And the Bible doesn't say anything about resisting, it doesn't say anything about this Cyrenian making a fuss about himself. But he follows the Lord. Let's keep going. And a great multitude of the people followed him, and women who also mourned and lamented him. 
But Jesus, turning to them, said, Daughters of Jerusalem, do not weep for me, but weep for yourselves and for your children. Jesus knew where he was heading. The, the cross was not an afterthought. That's why he came into the world to seek and to save. And this great love theme, the greatest love story ever told, is now unfolding. He says, for indeed, in verse 29, the days are coming when they will say, blessed are the barren wombs that never bore and breasts which never nursed. Then they will begin to say to the mountains, fall on us and to the hills, cover us. For if they do these things in the greenwood, what will be done in the dry? And there were also two other criminals led with them to be put to death. When they had come to the place called Calvary, that's, that's the Latin equivalent for Golgotha, there they crucified him, and the criminals, one on the right and one on the other on the left, and Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. And they divided his garments and cast lots. Listen to me. They were playing games at the foot of the cross. And the people stood looking on, but even the rulers with them sneered, saying, He saved others. Let him save himself if he is the Christ, the chosen of God. The soldiers also mocked him, coming and offering him sour wine. They were playing games at the foot of the cross and said, Save yourself if you're the king. And an inscription also was written over him in the letters of Greek, Latin, and Hebrew, the language of the day, the languages of the day. This is the king of the Jews. Then one of the criminals who were hanged blasphemed him. Uh, other gospels say that both of them reviled him. He says, if you are the Christ, save yourself and us. But the other answering rebuked him, saying, do you not even fear God, seeing you're under the same condemnation? So listen to me, folks. Something happened to the one on the cross. Something happened to the one who heard the words of Jesus, who saw the actions of Jesus, who hung next to the Savior of the world. One was changed and the other was not. He said to him, uh, verse 41 or 40, do you not fear God seeing we're under the same condemnation? In essence, don't you, don't you fear God uh, recognizing we're about to die? We indeed justly, for we receive the due reward of our deeds, but this man has done nothing wrong. And he said to Jesus, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said today, assuredly I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. Now I want to ask you a question, church. How many of you really believe the thief on the cross was saved? Okay, so a bunch of you don't. I do. I do. Because your salvation has nothing to do with what you can give God. Our salvation has everything to do with what Jesus did for us. It's a gift, and it's a gift to receive. You'll say, well, Brother Greg, I thought we we're supposed to work when we become Christians. The Bible says you should be known by your fruit. But you do not work your way to be saved. You don't work your way to get to heaven. You don't come to enough church services and check enough boxes to ever merit heaven. But I believe that thief saw Jesus for who he was. And, and, and you, you can tell it by his response, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. 
And it's interesting that other gospel writers talk about both of them reviling Jesus. So something took place. So today when we think about communion, when we think about the Lord's Supper, listen to me. It is for born-again believers, those who have given their life to Christ. Now, this is a little bit of a, uh, I'm rolling the dice here, but you're going to have to help me, okay? I want somebody to stand up and tell me the day they gave their life to Jesus Christ. Raise your hand, and I'll call on you. Stand up, stand up. Thank you, Kathy. Somebody else. April 23rd, 93. Good. Somebody else. Amen. October's a good month. Amen. Come on. Jerry. Amen. Amen. Kelly. Amen. Hey, April 13th, 1976, I was a church member who was lost. Tuesday night in revival, every time the preacher would give a, an invitation, I was convicted. I was convicted. Uh, and, and finally, uh, I was afraid I would disappoint my preacher. I was afraid I'd disappoint my mom and dad. But finally, I realized before the service started, when they give the invitation tonight, I'm gonna, give my, I'm gonna settle it once and for all. 1976 right in the heart of bell bottoms and disco. Jesus saved an eighth grader for his glory. Folks, listen to me. It breaks my heart when we come together like this and we sit on our hands when we can praise the Lord. Because if we're not gonna praise the Lord amongst brothers and sisters in Christ, I guarantee you won't be doing it in a world that is contrary to the gospel. This is a place, listen, to celebrate what Jesus does, amen? We've, we've become accustomed, listen to me, we've become accustomed to coming in and out unchanged. And when the service is over, even when somebody gives their life to Christ, we're thinking about ourselves rather than what God did in the heart of this service. And every time someone is saved, let me tell you that a miracle takes place. A miracle takes place, and you know what it is? His life on the cross for mine, for mine. Now, we live in a world where everybody's running around and saying, I want justice, I want justice. And if it were based on the justice of God, nobody would go to heaven. If it was justice by itself, because heaven would be perfect and God would judge sin and we're all sinners separated from God. No one's getting to heaven uh, apart from Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. But God is not just a God of justice. He's a God of mercy and grace. And this morning, when you look at the bread, it's the body. It's a picture of the body. His life for mine. When you look at the juice, picture of the blood. He paid for my sin with his blood. See, everybody in Scripture days, could, uh, they could associate what sacrifice was about. But this would be perfect blood. The just for the unjust once and for all. So God uses this man named Simon from Cyrene. We don't know a whole lot about him. Now, you've heard the term Via Dolorosa. 
or the way to the cross or the sorrowful way or the way of suffering. The Via Della Rosa isn't a street, but it's a route. It's a route in old Jerusalem. I had the privilege to walk it when, when I was there. And on the route of the Via Della Rosa, there are, uh, I believe there are 14 stations called the Stations of the Cross. If you're here today and you have a Catholic background, you understand this better than I do. The fifth station, a place where you stopped on the, on the, on the, on the journey, uh, is, is there's something there that, that helps you understand what they believe took place. And the fifth station is where Simon of Cyrene helps Jesus carry the cross. Okay? Now, when Jesus meets Simon the Cyrene in Scripture, there's not a whole lot of dialogue. It's really a picture of silence. Um, one would say, what's Jesus' journey on the cross uh, have to do with silence? We well, see we live in a world where many have become silent to sin. We've just acclimated to the culture and as my old friend Don Story, who's in heaven, used to say, bad has become good because worse has come along. You see, God doesn't want you to suffer. God doesn't want you to go to hell. God wants you to know him. And he wants you to come to him by faith. So today, when we come to the Lord's table, what we're saying before we take the bread and the cup is that I have given my life to Jesus Christ. I am a Christian. One writer wrote these words about Simon the Cyrene, who we don't know a whole lot about. Lord Jesus, you have involved a man in carrying your cross. You have invited us to share your sufferings. Simon of Cyrene is like us, and he teaches us to accept the cross that we encounter on the path of life. Following your example, Lord, we too carry the cross, our cross, our cross of suffering and our cross of illness. We accept it, listen at this, because you are with us. Did you hear me? Because you're with us. It may keep us in our chair, but it cannot prevent us from dreaming. It might be a uh, it might be obscure. It might obscure our vision. It can't touch our conscience. It may deafen our ears. It can't prevent us from listening. It might bind our tongue, but it cannot suppress our thirst for truth. It may weigh down our spirit, but it cannot rob us of our freedom. Lord, we want to be your disciples so as to carry our cross every day. We will carry it with joy and hope because you're carrying it with us because you have triumphed over death. That's the picture. What are you saying, Brother Greg? Quit walking around in life like you're carrying the weight of the world on your shoulder as a Christian. If you are, you're living beneath your privilege as a believer. Why? Because the Bible says, give that to the Lord. Cast your heavy burdens. Lay your burdens at his feet. Take up his yoke, for it is easy. He's the one who will do the caring. But how many times do you meet a Christian and it's, there's nothing up about it, nothing up about the conversation, nothing, nothing positive about the direction. So today, when we look at the Lord's table, I want to just give you a few thoughts. Here's the first one. 
If you're going to be a Christ follower, a Christian, you have to surrender your will to him. Okay, so put your Bible in your lap. Free up your hands, okay? Those that have been here a while know, know all about this. Years ago, Adrian Rogers taught his church this little acrostic acronym, okay? It's called PACE, P-A-C-E. How do you spell PACE? Okay, let's bow our heads. Jason. Okay, let's bow our heads, okay? Okay, let's bow your heads. Father, I pray for John right now. Lord, we thank you for loving us. I want you to pray for John Keener right now. Father, I pray that you would touch John. Do you guys really believe in prayer? Let's lift up our voice and pray to the Lord. Pray right where you're at. Father, help him. Lift your voices. Pray. God, touch his body. Touch his body.
John has had a series uh, in his life where he, he, will, he will just black out. And, and that's what's happened now. So Lord, I thank you for caregivers that we have in our church. Thank you for Shauna and Rihanna. And God, we pray you would just bring him out of it. Let's praise the Lord. Amen. Let's praise God. Amen. We love you, John. Bless you, buddy. God bless you. God bless you, Shauna. This, this is something that's been very difficult for them to put their finger on. And uh, it happened during Bible school on, the, on, the, on an evening, and, and John went out three times. Uh, several years ago, we went on a mission trip, and it happened while he was working. So pray for them, okay? Good to have Gene back in here with us. And folks, I really wish I was the slickest pastor in the world and knew what to do right now. But I can tell you this, God's faithful. And sometimes he really messes up our schedule. So I want every head bowed right now. We're going to the Lord's table. And if, there's here, if you're here today and there's anything that's not right with you, your spirit. You say, Brother Greg, I wish I could tell you, but there's just some, not something right in my spiritual life. If we really want to come to the Lord's table in a worthy manner, we deal with that. So the altar's open. If you're here today and you've never given your life to Christ, you heard some people shout out when they were saved. If you've never given your life to Christ, you don't have that spiritual birthday. It can be today. So you come. The Bible says, let a man examine himself. So, so don't worry about somebody else. What about you? What about you?